Yeah. So you were talking about the fellowship of the burning heart, uh, brothers, you were saying fathers and sons. Yes. Very important, but also brothers together dwelling together in unity. Well, what do you think is number one, something that helps this and something that prevents this? I, I think I'll, I'll go first with prevent and that'll launch into my, uh, you know, accelerates is when you try to build community, just when you try to build connection just on personal likes or dislikes, um, your own personal, when we look to each other to be some fulfillment in us that only God first and foremost can. I think there's a revelation around community that we've lost, that we build around likes or dislikes. Hey, you like fishing. I like fishing. You like hunting. I like hunting. But the fellowship of the burning heart is the the, the two on the road to Emmaus. And they're wrestling over the Bible and over their limited understanding. And they don't get it. And they're confused. And yet they're talking to one another, walking and saying, how do I make sense of this? And I think that's the optimum environment. When you put the Bible and the flame at the center and you you revelate around that, it's, it's kind of harder for guys. A lot of guys don't do this, but we we built our friendship around revelating and revelation together that Jesus started walking alongside of us in that context and we had about a three or four year season of some pretty uh, remarkable encounters together that just really forged our friendship and forged our history in God. And um, but I, I think the things that can hurt it is when you look for a person to be a fulfillment that only God can be. And when you have that neediness, we know what that does. You know how it kills any relationship is when you're. You know, you're you're looking for some person to bring a source of identity or a source of fulfillment to you. And, you know, first John talks about that our fellowship is one another with one another because we fellowship in the light. We fellowship around him, therefore we have fellowship with one another. And many, many, many brothers, I'll talk to mostly men. It takes us a while to go there. Mm-hmm. And when we began to build around revelation and we began to burn together, it then opened up the doors later on for me to begin to talk to him about marriage things that I was walking through. Um, areas of struggle, uh, areas I need him to pray for me and to carry this burden with me. And so we had about 10 years of deep and profound encounters, revelating in the word, building that the holiness connection that would prepare us. One of our main verses is Proverbs 17, 17. Friend loves at all times. A brother's born for adversity. And and we needed the 12 to 13 years to prepare for the season when he would get the call before I would that my son had passed. And then he, he would walk with me through the loss of my son. And we walked through some real tumultuous, some real turbulent years. The last decade was turbulent in some ways. And it was the the days of adversity, the days of difficulty that, that we're not going to leave the table when it gets hard either. And uh, 
we've come through on the other side where the Lord's now scattered us and I'm, I'm really missing him, <laughs> but I'm also really encouraged by the, the, the things that he sowed in us. He's planting in different parts and going to bring forth those realities there. That's, that's pretty amazing. It's not normal to see that kind of commitment to each other. And so you're saying the the difficulty comes when people are selfishly ambitious in the relationship. That destroys the thing. If you're looking to the person to be something that only God can be looking to gain only from this, this person. But the positive or the thing that increases it, you'd say, is just remaining together with one another, even in the midst of the most difficult time, not leaving the table, as you said it. Yes. Yeah. And I would say two guys passionately in love with Jesus and that have a burning heart after him. And I find that in that place, that's what accelerates it is when you try to connect a dead wire to a live wire, you can't have real anything real. But when you got two fiery people with the loving, like I had, like recently, me and Alan were in Atlanta. He got there before I did. I hadn't seen him in three months, really. And I come in to, to a friend of ours having a pastor's gathering. I walk in. He sees me. Say, hey, come sit down. I sit down right next to him. He has John 17 open. And he goes, dude, this phrase is, I mean, I even talked to him. No hi, no nothing. This phrase is blowing my mind. He goes, what do you got on this? Can we step outside? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I love it. I just love it. <laughs> that, that is absolutely beautiful. Let me, let me throw something at you. I was praying for you before we got on here. And the Lord spoke something to me, but what was intriguing wasn't what he said about you. It was what he called you. He didn't call you by your name. I heard it in my spirit. He called you longing. I thought that was a really profound longing. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that longing after the Lord. I mean, there's a few scriptures that come, come to mind off, off the top. Psalm 143, the scripture says that my soul longs for you as a parched land. You also have Isaiah 26, I think it's nine at night. My soul longs for you. You have Psalm 119 verse 82, where there's a, my eyes fail with longing for your word. Talk to me a little bit about this longing for God and longing for his word. Uh, yeah, Psalm 119, probably my life chapter. Um, my soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. Um, I, I don't know how to put it in words. I feel like it's probably, that's beautiful that, that he said to you. Because um, at the end of the day, that's that's who I am. Um, I just want to be closer and I want him to be closer. Um, and um, I don't know. I think it marked me from day one of my salvation. I've had this insatiable hunger, um, insatiable desire. I want it inside. <laughs> I want it. I want it around me, and I want him for him. I want him to come back. I just want proximity to him. Um, it's all a gift from God, and I think I've grown through the years 
because I was born in revival, a move of God. And um, and and so we our first six months of salvation were five meetings a week till three in the morning, and God hit our small town, and <laughs> and uh, I I was so in, I, I really began to connect with the older women intercessors, and they taught me how to pray, and I'd get up every week and would yell at everybody, come to the prayer meeting, Let, let's stoke fire on this thing, and the more I cried out, the less people would come. <laughs> which made me angrier. Um, and so um, I I was doing that and I was found myself getting bitter and angrier and I wanted God to come close and revival. I wanted it. I, I saw it waning and I wanted to see him increase. And it was in that first season where he, he's when I was really beginning to kind of get really angry and burned out at everybody that he says, I want to take you home and let you know that the longing that you ultimately have is for an explosion within. Hmm. And uh, that's when I got a hold of Fire Within, that book by Thomas DeBay uh, on John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila. And um, I was working in an air conditioning factory. My, my greatest season in God was in an air conditioning factory, second uh, second shift. And uh, I, I was literally have about eight hours a day to where that spirit of burning would just move <laughs> up and down my body. As I'm on the air conditioning line, just putting little pieces in its place, I started kind of getting a little weirded out when Teresa talks to, talks about levitating and things like that. I didn't know what to do about that, but, but I uh, I was so I, I think I was getting baptized, and that's where you really began my journey of giving language and helping me. Hmm. That that the longing flows from him, it flows through him, and it flows to him, hmm. and. Um, and, and, and it was shortly after that that I moved to Kansas City because uh, I had this insatiable longing to be close. I said, God, eight hours a day, I just got to be in here. I, I don't know what else to do. I was just consumed with hunger. And it was in that first season that the word desire out of John 17, 24 just leapt off off the page. That was really where mine and Alan's friendship was forged is that the word desire was like it was a baptism for six months. All I could read was Father, I desire. And uh and he says, I want them to be with me and I want them to hold glory. And I would say in that first season, he was baptizing me into his desire, into his longing, and into his passion that would thereby be the response from being being baptized in it. Um mm -hmm. And so it, he's just taken me through the years of living from that place. And um, I just, I just, I'm afraid of, I never want to get domesticated, you know? <laughs> I never want to get used to this, Eric. And uh, I never want to get professional at this. I want to stay the 20-year-old who didn't know anything. I want to stay the... Uh, and I just want to live from that place. And uh, and I know I have a real sensitive barometer of knowing when I'm going through motions and when I'm living from the overflow of his desire for me. And so always swimming upstream and just saying, God, I, I need. I just need a fresh, you know, what, whatever, just touching that place. But I want to live close to you all the days of my life. You put two things together. 
longing for him and longing for his return. Uh, yeah. A couple of scriptures that popped up in my, my heart earlier was Amos 5.18 shows us there's a longing for the day of the Lord. In 2 Corinthians 5.2, there's a longing to be clothed with the heavenly dwelling. And in 2 Peter 3.11 and 12, this is the sort of people we ought to be, those who are hastening, longing for the coming day of the Lord. Why do you think these two things are so connected, longing for him and longing for his return? Yeah, and I, I I think another word that would go into that would be groaning. <laughs> that that that'd probably be the word that would most encompass who I am. Um, <laughs> I, I think, as you know, it's the deepest cry of the spirit within us. It's the it's the Abba cry within us. It's the it's the longing for proximity. You know, the spirit groans within us. The spirit longs within us for that which was accomplished would be brought into full manifestation. Um, and that's, and, and so I want it. I want the, I, I think it's the longing for him. It's the longing for revival and it's the longing for him to come. I, I see it as when you're skipping a rock against a pond, the three skips <laughs> and, and they're all encompassed in the same things. I want you to be close. I want you to, the spirit and the bride come to me in intimacy come near me in revival and mm. come for me at your coming, <laughs> but, but come, yes, but come thy kingdom. I want you to come. I want you closer. Um, and, and that, 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 that just trickles out of all of these realities that I think is important. I, uh, I, I don't like it how we try to pit because at the end of the day, the, the devil has gotten the church lost. When we say end times, we talk about eschatology or end times. The church immediately goes into panic mode as we've been so indoctrinated. The devil's worked overtime to steal the most glorious reality from the church. And he does it in several different ways. One, the weird people who have tried to set dates and times. And the big intellectuals who say you have to have so many PhDs to understand it. And I, I like to think about this. You know, I have three kids. You have a, you have a couple of daughters. Yeah, yeah. yeah I got three. Um, when you got that little uh, pregnancy test and y'all found out you were pregnant, you didn't look at each other and go, oh, my gosh, we're going to have 24 hours of hard labor. <laughs> oh, no, I can't deal with this. Oh, my, what are we going to do? I need to get my epidural now. What? What? what, what? <laughs> no. You go, we're having a baby. And I feel like the church has gotten so myopic and gripped with the spirit of fear over a small amount of time. That's really the birth pangs unto the greatest revealing and unveiling of the glory of this man, our bridegroom, to the planet. And the church has lost that. And so the longing for him is the longing for everything that comes with him, the groans, the he, he likens them to birth pangs. He likens his return to the birth pangs. This is for a birth of the man to the planet and the establishing of righteousness across the earth. So it, it, it's just all one flow, whether it's intimacy, crying for revival or him coming, it's groaning, it's longing. I want you to be closer. <laughs> and um, that, that, that they've just all come together inside of me. Do you think 
what's happening in Asbury has anything to do with the things you're talking about right now? I, I think what we're, I mean, I'm so excited over what's happening. Um, I think this is a precursor. I think this is a precursor work of God, which is reviving people to prayer, reviving people to worship, repentance, humility, calling us back to that. This has, this is the cloud the size of a man's hand. This is this could be the beginning of something. But yeah, absolutely. I feel like, I mean, I, I preached yesterday at, at, at our church out of Zechariah 10.1, ask for rain in the time of the latter rain. Um, so I feel like there's dams popping everywhere. Wow. You know, many, many, many pastor friends are saying every meeting is going long. Everything is happening. I can't do whatever. So I think the Lord is at the door. I think the Lord is whispering and breathing on some cold embers. I think he's inviting us to come aside and to lean in in this season. I, I feel I do feel like we do a disservice and we get inoculated when we start putting really holy words and big words on everything. Hmm. And so I'm very careful about the word revival. Uh, I'm very careful about certain words because I have a big vision. <laughs> um, and and I'm grateful. I'm truly grateful and I'm celebrating it. And I sent my daughter and all the kids went. I was trying to get there this week. I mean, so I, I'm all about, I want to come and drink from it. It's more than what's going on with us. And I want to drink from it. But, but. I'm groaning for God to take over cities. Wow. Um, and so I, I do believe we're in the time. I think we're in a season of, of, of the trickle of the, the beginning uh, sprinkling that could begin if we respond to it right, instead of just building a phrase around it, putting some Instagram quotes up on it get some Instagram pictures. And then that becomes our satisfaction of, I went there and it felt good. I wanted to cut everybody to go to their knees. I told our church yesterday, I, I don't want you leaving encouraged. I want you leaving disrupted. And, um, and, and so I, I think there needs to be an agitation that comes out of this more than a been there, got the t-shirt. It was awesome. Okay, so let's say there's a person watching right now and they hear you talking about this visitation in Asbury, a longing for the Lord, and your personal experience with longing for the Lord, and a longing for his return in that longing for the Lord, but they don't feel any of that. In their hearts, they're a Christian, but they, three things. One, they don't know what to think about Asbury. Two, they're not really longing for the person of the Lord. And three, they're kind of scared thinking about Jesus coming back. What would you say to that person? Tell him. Tell the Lord? Tell the Lord. Hmm. Wow. Say, say I, I, I want to feel, I want to want you. Hmm. I want to long for your return. I don't. I want, I want to. Would you come and do in me what mm. I cannot do for myself? Mm. Would you come 
you know, I love the John four. We've we talked about this. He comes to the woman at the well. He asked her for a drink. I need you to give me something. I'm not letting you off the hook that you've ran to every broken cistern. I need something from you. Yeah. She goes, and we know he wants it. You know, he wants her worship. So she goes, why are you even talking to me? And he goes, if you knew who I am and what I have, <laughs> you would have asked me <laughs> to give you what only you can give me. So it must come from him, through him, and to him. And so it always starts with, Lord, I want to. Yes, that's good. I, I want to. I, I don't know how to. I, I want to want to, even if I don't want to. I want to. But I'm not going to get lost in cynicism. I'm not going to get lost in my opinions. I'm not going to get lost in all my fears. Jesus, I want to want you. And that's the prayer he always answers. And so that's what I would say to anybody. And that's what I say to him. Lord, connect my heart with what's in your heart. <laughs> As if he's way up there and we got to climb up there to him. And he comes down to us and it takes God to love God is what Mike would always say. So it's vulnerability. It's yeah. Honesty. Wow. Would you do me a favor? Would you, would you reach and reach out and pray for the people that are watching, but, but cover each one. There are those that are in the condition I just described that they need to say to the Lord, I want to want you. But there's also people that are so happy about the things you're talking about because they live longing for his presence and they are excited about his return and they're pumped to see God doing something out there in Asbury and praying that it will spread. Will you pray for both these kinds of people? Yeah, absolutely. First camp, just you who are saying, I, I don't right now. I'm not in connection with any of this, but I want to. We ask him. If you knew who I am, says the Lord, and what I have, you would have asked me. And Father, right now, we, we just ask you. We ask you to awaken longing for you. We ask you, Lord, that you would, that you would put your hand upon our hearts, that you would tenderize our hearts, that you would stir our spirits that you would pour your love into our hearts, that you would touch us with your desire and that you would awaken us, Jesus. And God, I pray for those that are excited. And I pray for those that are feeling all kinds of emotions. God, I pray that you would absolutely destroy them with a vision. <laughs> that you would destroy them with a vision to see your manifest glory come to them around them, near them, and that you would come. Father, I pray that you would release a whole new generation of bridal revivalist, hmm. bridal revivalist, God, that would be so lovesick and so longing for you, Jesus, the person, for revival and, and for your return. Jesus, I pray that you would deliver us of big phrases. I pray that you would deliver us from inoculation 
and that you would absolutely undo us as we read the book of Acts and as we read revival history and what you've done. God, I cry out that you would awaken that this season would birth the greatest prayer movement we've ever seen in this generation. Wow. That's my prayer, God, that you would release seasons of prayer and fasting, concerts of prayer, long hours of prayer, longing would begin to possess Gen Z, that longing would begin to possess Gen Z and Gen Alpha, and that you would lay hold of this generation, God, and release revival praying like we've never seen, and that this would birth, oh, Lord Jesus, that cloud the size of a man's hand that would that would break the drought off our nation and that would restore rain to our nation and that you would be glorified, Jesus. I ask you to do that through all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for your heart and your, and your time. It means a lot to me.